and they said, don't mix alcohol and beauty. Like, no one believed me. Let me play my part. Check to hate. Like, is that real? Did that happen? Like, the structure of your brain actually changes. And do you still feel that every day? And then it got time for guitars. Eating disorder, like, I didn't want to die. Tendencies. But I didn't want to live. Girl. You gotta go in the hospital. You feel powerless because the body has a fear reaction. The opportunity to empower. No one can take away my power. I won't take myself out. Artists that are true like that, those are the ones that tend to like create change. Uh, if I do my job, you'll be telling your story and I'll be listening. So, um, this week on the Amplified podcast, the official podcast of the Kelly Nicole Foundation. I'm at a film festival in Santa Monica, California called Cinema at the Edge Festival. And it's super exciting. Uh, the people here are amazing. And I'm sitting in front of one amazing person right now with a really powerful story to tell. So Jillian, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? She looks, and I'm saying exactly, <laughs> you're so sick of this. She looks exactly like Nicole Kidman. <laughs> I keep wondering why you don't sound Australian in person. I could try. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so why don't you give us a little bit of your background and then we'll get into your film here. Sure. Um, well, I'm a documentary filmmaker slash film editor um, and I work mostly in advertising um, editorial and then I make documentaries on my nights and weekends to try to counteract advertising and make a difference with my work. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that thing where you want to do one thing that feeds your soul. Yeah. But you exactly. also have to feed your stomach? You have to pay your rent. You have to. Yeah. I mean, and you don't want to, but <laughs> somehow it feels like every week I'm paying rent. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. And you're based out of? Santa Monica. Santa Monica. Mm -hmm. So you actually know where I can find legit Mexican food before I go back to Minnesota. I don't have a favorite Mexican place Come here. Come on. East LA? I don't go east of the 405. You're killing me. <laughs> that's where the culture is. <laughs> That's what they say, but uh, the, but uh, I I don't know I don't know I'm new I'm new around these here parts I don't I don't know things yet I'm, you, I'm working on it. Where are you from originally? Um, I'm from the Bay Area originally, and okay. then I went to school. where you never went into Oakland. Um, I did actually, oh, you did? but uh, I went to school in Arizona, moved okay. from there to New York, moved from New York to LA, so I bounced around a little bit. Well, those are good spots to be in the film business, right? Yeah. How exactly. do you like being in film? I love it. I mean, I picked up my first camera when I was four, and I've been making movies ever since. So I kind of don't have a choice. <laughs> you don't have a choice. Yeah. I wish it paid better. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, you know, it could blow up. But like you said, at least you're making a difference. You're telling yeah. your story. That's the goal. And the name of your film right now is Second Assault. That's right. That's going to screen. Well, by the time this goes out, it will have screened. But it's already screened at how many fests? I think close to 20, around 20. Wow. And you're having a really good hit rate with how many you apply for and, and get accepted as an official selection. Yeah, yeah, we seem to be. I mean, obviously, there's film festivals we've applied for we haven't gotten in that have been kind of sad. But um, we've been into so many festivals that I, that I love and I was really, really excited about. So, unfortunately, I haven't been able to go to all of them. And uh, I'm still kicking myself. But, I, yeah, we're really excited with the turnout and, and got some good press, won some good awards. So yeah. it's been completely unexpected and, and humbling. 
What awards have you won? Do you know any off the top of your head? Yeah, uh, we won. So I'm a I'm a co-director. My partner Amy Rosner and I made this film together. We won best director from the Global Impact Film Festival, Audience Choice Award from the Julian Dubuque Film Festival, best documentary at the Sunset Film Festival, and best crowdfunded film at the Sidewalk Film Festival. Yeah. Now before we get into Again, sorry about the planes and choppers and stuff. Like, I've only been in LA for a day now, and there's always something overhead. Always, Is especially that like, right here. Helicopters go up and down the coast constantly. Are they celebrity stalking, I have or is no it? They're not looking for is. traffic in the fucking ocean. I think there's actually an app where you can, where you can go and be like, <laughs> "What is that helicopter doing in LA?" You're not I think serious. No, I think I heard about this. Like, there's like a website you can go to or something. I've never used it, but I don't know why that's funny to me. Because yeah, because it's like well, I don't know. Yeah, it's a little more interesting here than Minneapolis, just a tiny <laughs> bit. Um, it's No, it's beautiful. Um, so it's going to be loud, and that's perfect because we're a hard rock philanthropy organization. So um, so before we get into like the plot of the film and, and what you've dealt with mm-hmm. and, and finding your voice and everything like that, you talked about a couple organizations like this uh, Seed and Spark. Seed and Spark. What is that? Um, it's uh, kind of an independent film startup founded by a woman, a friend of mine, Emily Best. And essentially it's a site for, by filmmakers for filmmakers. So it's crowdfunding like Kickstarter, except that it's sort of set up as a wedding registry. So people that don't understand the film industry can see just how much goes into making a film and why it costs so much money. Yeah, no and you can then either contribute financially or you can loan services like I've loaned my editor I'm an editor I've loaned editorial services to films before that I've liked and then it's also a distribution platform so you can have your film my first feature trickster uh, documentary lives on on their website and people can watch films um, independent films by uh, diverse filmmakers by women filmmakers and they really try to amplify unheard voices so people can see and get seen and get help to create their next project. Yeah, and find crews and and uh, find funding. They've just recently partnered with the Duplass brothers, who are who are helping to fund independent filmmakers all across the country um, through a campaign called Hometown Heroes. So they do a lot of uh, crowdfunding campaign rallies, and and they're on. I mean, they're on fire. Every time you turn around, something new is going on with Seed and Spark, and it's a great resource for independent filmmakers. Well, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad you told me about that. So people out there who are creative and have a story to tell and they want to get something made, but they have no clue where to begin. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of a beginner spot or like, where would you recommend people learn how to get into the film game who like are literally not of this world? You got to pick up a camera and start shooting. That's the only way to do it. But I would say that Student Spark is a great resource if you need to find funding. Um, one of the things that they do, so they have the highest uh, crowdfunding success rate. I don't remember exactly what that number is off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but one of the things that they'll do for you is when you start a crowdfunding campaign, unlike Kickstarter or Indiegogo, they will not let you launch your campaign until they've looked over your campaign and given you feedback. So they really want you to be successful. So they will work with you one-on-one to help you create the best campaign that you can. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I feel like I should, for whatever we do next, I have a vision that after I want you to hear me, the Kelly Nicole story gets some more momentum and, and gets seen a little bit more. My, my idea is that once we've done a bunch of philanthropy and had a few more events and, and talked to more people and I've accumulated some more footage that we have um, our, our next thing will be full length and will be backed up like with the soundtrack of all the music of hers that we haven't released yet mm-hmm. so that would be my vehicle to get out the rest of the music that was kind of song ideas and demos and stuff that didn't get finished but they're so good that I'm always trying to think like how can I get that heard and I think 
having it be the soundtrack of a movie about what the foundation is doing would be cool. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like I could make some phone calls there and maybe get some good resources behind me for less than list price. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're mostly independent film. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. yeah. So, so on this podcast, we talk a lot. We talk with a lot of survivors, obviously, and we talk with a lot of therapists and counselors and different people around the the PTSD and eating disorders space. And a lot of times with eating disorders, there was a trauma at some point. Um, a lot of times going back, you can pinpoint a spot where the relationship between the mind and the stomach was disrupted by a, a traumatic incident. And there's long-term emotional disturbances. And there's a theme with disclosure, asking people, you know, how many people have you disclosed to and what was it like? And the theme is not great. The theme is... There's shaming, there's denial, there's doubt, there's all these things, and it, and it feels like, and it is, a second trauma on top of the first one, and it, for a lot of people, prevents them from going out and getting help. So as you told your story a little bit and told the story of this film, um, I immediately was like, God, I wonder if she would take an interview. <laughs> um, so I'm going to let you just tell whatever you want to of your story and this artistic project and where it's headed and, and whatever you want people to know, especially other survivors who maybe feel like, okay, I had a disclosure experience that was extremely negative and it made everything 10 times worse. Maybe I'll just never talk about this mm -hmm. again. Yeah. Well, so essentially within the first month um, that I went to school, I went to an out-of-state college in Arizona. I was sexually assaulted in my dorm room. Um, when I reported it to the police, they told me that it was considered consensual under Arizona state law. And they said, don't mix alcohol and beauty. And with that, he handed me his police card with my case number written on it and sent me on my way. Um, I then, I mean, after it happened, I, I told my sweet mate, my like kind of roommate about it. Um, she said, don't tell anyone. I said, should I tell the RA? She said, don't tell anyone. And I kind of was out of state and didn't have any friends, so I didn't have a support system. And I really felt like no one believed me. My boyfriend at the time thought I had just slept with somebody and then regretted it. Um, your boyfriend didn't believe you? No. So the whole, I just kind of never really spoke about it again and suffered consequences, kind of went into a bit of depression. My, my freshman year, first semester, drank too much. Um, I was, you know, alone. I had no friends, so it was, it was a really hard time. And then um, I kind of never really talked about it. And then in 2016, the Trump tapes were released. Oh, Jesus. And there was a, a journalist, Kelly Oxford is her name, she tweeted, survivors, tweet me your assault stories, I'll go first. And she tweeted hers. And then hundreds of thousands of women were tweeting. It was like every two seconds there was a new woman who was tweeting, tweeting an assault story with the hashtag not okay. And I'm on Twitter, but I don't really understand Twitter. So <laughs> I don't uh, know if it can be understood. I don't really understand it at this point. So I had a, a friend of mine, Emily Best, the founder of Student Spark, tweeted her um, story about when she was raped when she was 15. And kind of feeling inspired by all these collective voices speaking out, I kind of decided to tweet mine. And for whatever reason, my story went viral, my tweet. And when I woke up the next morning, it had over 100,000 interactions, and it was posted on people.com and I think HuffPost and every, like all these different places. And now when you Google me, this information about me that... I think I didn't say your... Did you say your full name? Uh, not yet, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's introduce our guest. Okay. No, when you Google you by typing... Uh, Jillian Corsi. C-O-R-S-I-E. Mm -hmm. um, you can find this tweet and it is now has been posted by all these news organizations. And I was terrified that 
you know, my parents were going to see it or my parents' friends were going to see it and, you know, my boss was going to see it or people I worked with were going to see it. And I was like, man, I'm just like a person on Twitter that's got no followers. Nobody cares what I have to say. And all of a sudden, my tweet's blowing up. I'm getting contacted by Inside Edition. Documentary. Are you serious? From one tweet? Yeah. Documentary filmmakers are contacting me, asking me to tell my story. So I had a week of heavy anxiety and just really overwhelmed that, you know, I kind of thought that my my tweet was just going to go into the cacophony of other tweets and, and, you know, be seen but not be seen. You didn't think you'd be singled out? No, but I'm a documentary filmmaker. So it kind of seemed like, well, now now's the time. So with that, I kind of decided to go back to Tucson um, for the first time. I never thought I would go back. So I picked up that police card that I've been carrying in my wallet for 12 years um, and emailed the police officer to my report and he agreed to meet with me on camera and that's what happens in my film. It's sort of me confronting this part of my past, going back to my campus and, and meeting with this person who had this kind of irrevocable, irrevocable <laughs> effect on my life mm-hmm. um, and he had no idea. He didn't think Okay, I mean, I'm going to see it tomorrow. Yeah. And by the time this goes out, I've already seen it. I'll probably do a voiceover saying what I thought of it without giving it away. Uh-huh. But, so not having seen it yet, second assault. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I just don't understand how a cop could do that to someone and not realize what effect they're having. Get the music behind the mission. Hate Becoming by Kelly Nicole on iTunes and Spotify. If you guys haven't checked out the merch table, join the movement. Buy the album. Get your Kelly Nicole band merch and donate what you can at kellynicolefoundation.org. Courage is from Amplified!